Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Canada Sportsbook. Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host today. I am Samantha. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore. I am here with one of my favorite recurring guests, Lachlan at Lock in the Crease. Thanks for joining us tonight, Lachlan. And we are on at SDPN Sports Game Over. So make sure you go follow everyone who I just talked about. Uh, Canucks took on the Flyers tonight. Uh, possibly one of the worst teams in the NHL Flyers, but the Canucks come away with a 6-2 win. Um, I am normally all about high tank awareness, but this one uh, had such a great ending and such a good story for Arthur Silovs that even I can't be too down about it. What do you think, Locke? I mean, yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. Like, look, the other day when they put him in against the Rangers, I was just, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm like, God, I, I, I think the tank needs to pause for one game just so... Uh, Arter Seelovs doesn't get like uh, run into the ground by one of the best teams in the NHL and he need he can get his win because uh, I didn't think there was going to be any more than that really I thought that was going to be his one game so for him to start this one come back with a great game where he ends up with like a 35 save performance uh, as a 21 year old is incredible like he 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 absolutely earned that that win even though it was against a weaker team like there's no doubt he absolutely earned his that first NHL win yeah we're gonna get back into that before we jump into our game recap we're gonna shout out sports interaction um you want to bet then get in on the action at sports interaction the boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck bet pre-game live and play are on one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Um, all right, Canucks win 6-2. They score three goals in the third period to really break the game open. Elias Pettersson had a five-point night and now has 71 points on the season, which is a career high. Anthony Beauvillier scores two goals tonight. It was like probably one of the more dominant games from the Canucks this season. Yeah, and, and it's ironic, too, because there were large parts of, like, especially in the third period, where it looked like they might be about to blow it, like, at the end there, right? Because they were they were mostly in control for large stretches of the first, like, 40, 40 minutes. But then, you know, like, right in, like, the early parts of the third period, it looked like the Flyers might be gaining momentum, a little bit of momentum. It was only, like, three to two. And then all of a sudden, the Canucks just opened the floodgates, particularly uh, Phil DiGiuseppe coming up with a very gutsy goal uh, at a crucial point, like midway through the third period. Um, and overall, but overall, yeah, like the that particularly the first line with Patterson, Bovillia and Kuzmenko was just running rough shot over the, the Flyers like every like they didn't necessarily win the shot battle, but it felt like every single time they entered the the offensive zone they were getting good looks and they were getting great scoring opportunities on Carter Hart like the Flyers were kind of just letting them walk into the zone yeah I I one of the things that stood out to me that was probably one of the funnier moments was when Tyler Myers like shot the puck straight into (laughs) Carter Hart's crest but other than that (laughs) I thought it was a pretty pretty great performance from the whole team um what what plays really stood out to you tonight 
I think the I think honestly, like like I mentioned before, just how many times like the lanes were opening up in front of the net for for the Canucks. Like there was the there was the one play behind the net where JT where the the Flyers were kind of trying to pass the puck between the two defensemen. JT Miller kind of just intercepted it like it was gifted gift wrap to him behind the net and was able to pass it out in front for a scoring chance. And then not that long after Beauvillier just walked in without any real sort of opposition from the defense and just got and got a good shot away i think he just it just like whistled wide but it was one of those scoring chances where like oh they're like getting these prime opportunities every single time they get into the into the area there and for you know for Pedersen, obviously god like every single he i think he had the secondary assist on both of the first two goals uh, that he was a part of but in both cases, it kind of felt like they were plays that he set up entirely, like with like with a lot of credit going to, of course, Luke Shen, who had this, the primary assist on both of them, uh, doing a great job uh, bringing up his trade value. Uh, Pedersen is just playing was just on a mission today, uh, which is and which is interesting, considering it was a Saturday night game in the middle of February against the Philadelphia Flyers. Is There's not a, necessarily much third room. third five point game of the season. It's yeah. And. Remember how at the beginning of the year where we had to talk about how like Patrick Alvin didn't or didn't call him like didn't think he was necessarily an elite player or didn't label him as such like just incredible. Do you think that Patrick Alvin was negging him? Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be hilarious. Um, if it is, that is some 40 chess for sure. Um that would be great. I think, I mean, I do think that kind of, that does kind of happen to a degree in hockey or in sports in general, right? Where they're like, you know, I don't think you're very good. Like Michael Jordan did a whole documentary about yeah. how, how, how much negging basically worked on him. Um, but it is just, it, yeah, it, I think, yeah, maybe it did kind of light a bit of a fire under him to kind of, but at the same time. That and maybe he heard all the Canucks fans last season being like, JT Miller is this team's best player. Yeah, he, he was like, he, he very well hold hold my beer, right? Yeah, yeah. there uh, some some person who shall remain nameless said he should belong to the AHL, which uh, that I wonder if that maybe just if he's just got that pinned up on like a board in his house, just like like right before he leaves before games, he's just like that is the first tweet I think of any time he has a game like this. And yes. I, I retweeted Wyatt Arndt at the Stanchions tweet tonight saying, imagine being so bad at watching hockey that you said Elias Patterson should be in the AHL. Yeah, just uh, I, if there were a Hall of Fame for bad takes, that would be the first inductee. Like, yeah. It, incredible. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, the Canucks beat the Flyers 6-2 tonight. Elias Pettersson had a five-point night, and I am joined by Lachlan Irvine of Canucks Army at Lock in the Crease. Um, Canuck Clay says, hello from Dallas. Couldn't watch the game. How did Christian Wollenden do? I thought he was great. Yeah, he looked really good. Like, he he didn't look out of place on an NHL roster. And, yeah. that, and that was kind of what you were looking for, especially with the fact that you know, he's replacing, you know, someone who the Canucks would call important, would call a very important player in Oliver Ekman Larson, like you, whether or not that's very true is debatable. But in terms of just like, that's the shoes you have to kind of fill in that roster and kind of make it so and make yourself that kind of valuable piece to a degree. He looked great. Like he, there was not a point in that game where he looked like he was 
a fish out of water. He really did look totally comfortable, was making good plays, especially in the early going. Yeah, I don't I don't have any gripes with how he played tonight. Yeah, me neither. And I think in general, what I saw from fans throughout the game was that they were pretty happy with his performance. I don't I don't see how you could be unhappy. He did better than I thought he would. Yeah, I for sure. Like I'm always, you know, like it's especially on a team that's as kind of that's had that's had such a tough year as the Canucks have had. Like, you know, the the bar is low. The bar is pretty low for a guy coming in. It's like, okay, you don't have to do too much. Don't you to to really to really wow us right now. But at the same time, like it's still the NHL. It's still a it's still a hard league to win a spot in. At regardless of how good of how good or bad a team is, and he looked like a player that was trying to make send that message of I belong in this in this league full time and I should be playing here regularly. Hopefully, he keeps it up as we as we get into some of the other games here down the stretch. Yeah, and on that note, somebody else who I thought was trying to send that same message and had a really gutsy performance, Phil did just Phil did Yeah, what did you think of his game tonight? I mean, I think I'm always. I'm always kind of just wowed at like how much of a um, how much of a glue guy he has kind of become here. Like that might be, you know, to a stronger team, they might look at that and say, that's probably not good. If a guy coming up from Abbotsford is a glue guy within like two weeks of his call up. But here we are like talking about a guy who's been playing like top six minutes at points. I think he was on, I think he did. He didn't start this game on the fourth line or on the second line, but I know the last one he did. And, and at the, at a crucial point where the, the Canucks are, the Canucks are up three, two, the Flyers have gotten that late goal. Uh, you know, they got the, that fourth line, gets some pressure going in the, in the offensive zone. And he just kind of jams that puck in past Carter Hart. Like it wasn't a pretty goal by any stretch, but they count the same regardless of whether or not they're, they're pretty. And, that's kind of what he's done this whole this whole uh like the whole this whole month really. Yeah, he's been he's been fun to watch. Uh you're getting <laughs> you're getting uh, some burns in the chat. Riley wow. says, "Did you guys know Lachlan can't skate?" Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I I will have you know, I've skated maybe twice. <laughs> Wait, like actually No, 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 no. I have I I I've been a goalie since okay, I was Okay, that's what I thought. Since I, since I was like nine so but uh yeah i've skated at least like three times that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah it's okay yeah it's, it's okay um, i can almost skate backwards almost <laughs> we're getting there um okay speaking of goalies we are going to switch into our second segment uh which Locke is extremely excited to do and i i know it, it probably pained you a bit that cody was the one tackling Love's first game <laughs> a couple nights ago when he was on with me but I want to talk about uh, Artur Silovs getting his first NHL win tonight. How do you feel about it? I feel fantastic. Like, again, if if there's a, you know, obviously the Canucks are not going to lose every single game for the rest of the season. And even, even in a year where you're clearly trying to, where you clearly want to tank and be, have the best lottery odds at Connor Bedard. At the same time, you got to find good stories and good, and good games to win, like re- good reasons to win a game sometimes. And this was one of those times where it was like, you have Artur Silovs coming in for a second game, NHL game. And I I remember listening to his uh, post-game uh, comments, like after the last game, uh, after his first game, and thinking just like, man, this kid is, 
confident like he's oozing confidence like he he doesn't he is not a guy who's like oh i'm just happy to be here and get my first start he was he was a guy who was like i belong here and i be like i deserve this start not in like a cocky way but just in that he ha he has that personal confidence that he can play at the nhl level i think you need that to be a goaltender like there's there's just no way to succeed if you don't have that a little bit but like a little it's definitely true like you have to have like that personal confidence within yourself to be able to play every single night and you can tell when a goaltender you can tell immediately off of body language when a goaltender is playing with like complete confidence in their game and when versus when they're not like you it's a it's an it's an instant it's an it's instantly noticeable especially just in the way that they you know drop for saves how often they end up kind of like falling backwards on their on their heels rather than forward when they're making a save like there's a lot of things you can tell and with Seelovs tonight especially like the first game he looked a little bit shaky at times he definitely looked like a guy who's like who was playing in his first NHL game. And this one, he looked a lot more like a veteran who's done this a bunch of times before. Like the, the overall, like his, uh, the way he was challenging the shooter was very confident. He was making clean stops. Uh, there wasn't, there were very few cases where he was spitting out like a bad rebound of any kind. The few times that maybe he looked a little bit shaky were just cases where he lost track of the puck in front of like a bunch of like a screen or or something like that. And yeah, like there was no part of his game to again another player who who like looks like he belongs at an NHL level already, and he's 21, which is insane. Like he hasn't had necessarily like the best year ever. Like he's not a I don't believe he was an AHL All Star or anything. But like for him to come in and just look like and put on this kind of performance, even against a team that's a little bit weaker on the scoring side, like the Flyers. Still an NHL is, team. Yeah, speaks volumes about how good he already is and what a what a what how well they've done developing him so far. Yeah, I, I know that Chris Gear, uh, former Canucks AGM, tweeted earlier tonight, when the Canucks draft table bypassed Archer Silovs in both the fourth and fifth rounds in 2019, I thought Ian Clark was going to maim someone. When Silovs was finally <laughs> taken in the sixth round, Clark, he was beaming from ear to ear. We're seeing glimpses of why. Kid has huge upside. That, that I mean, yeah, like you're, you're a thousand percent. Like, man, like. Clarky has his guys, you know, like he definitely, he, 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 he gets excited about those, like the, those specific goaltenders and, and when, and it, it's amazing how often that lands, like it lands and it, and it translates into an NHL goalie. Um, again, Seelov's like, as far as this year is concerned, I don't know how many more games he's going to start in the NHL, in the NHL this year. Who knows? He might considering the fact that, you know, Demko had another issue, uh, injury issue today with his groin, a setback with his groin. He might be starting games for a while to come here. And I really was worried about the idea of like, I, I've said before when it comes to tanking in that sort of situation, how I, the last thing I want to see them do is send out like a young goaltender yeah. as kind of like a sacrificial lamb for that, that kind of thing, because you can kill a guy's career so quickly just off of one season of throwing them in front of a terrible defense. But, you know, to his credit, man, he does not, he does, he has yet to show me a point where it's like, this is a guy who I'd be worried about throwing in front behind the Canucks defense. Like he's playing at, he is doing no worse or no better. Like he's doing better, I would, I guess, than, you know, than Delia or Martin was, ha have been of late. It's like, yeah, I guess let it ride. Let's see how, how far we can go here.
Yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, the Canucks win 6-2 tonight. Uh, Artur Silas gets his first NHL win. Leas Pettersson has five points. Anthony Beauvillier scores two goals in a great and dominant win. Um, if you're if you were paying attention, Thath- Thatcher Demko was supposed to back up tonight, uh, and then yesterday the Canucks announced that he'd had he tweaked something and had a setback. Um, if you were watching the post game show with uh, Cody Sievertson and myself two nights ago, Cody said that he would believe the Canucks were truly and deliberately tanking if they shut down Thatcher Demko for the season. Do you think that's what's happening here? I, you know, it's, 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 it's so hard to say because on one hand, that would be a very clear sign that there's, that they are going for the bottom. But at the same time, I do wonder, I think, I think for me, I would, I would say the same thing after the trade deadline, because I think even to it, to the Canucks, there is value in getting him back on the ice, at least for before the trade deadline in case a team comes calling and says hey you know we're going we're probably going to the playoffs where we're not super sure about our goal 10 then here's a here's a backpack full of draft picks for you for thatcher demko right like that's that's something the canucks would definitely have to consider but after the trade deadline passes if they decide to shut him down then yes a thousand percent that that would be kind of what i'd be i'd be saying the exact same thing i think I think it's entirely possible, but again, it's one of those you do worry at, at some point of like, oh God, is he how how much is this gonna affect him long term if they're if they're having to shut him down already in February, right? Yeah, and it's this is I think the first season in a couple of seasons, basically since before the COVID bubble, where Demko has looked kind of less than superhuman. And so you have to wonder how much injuries have been bothering him all season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you're playing at a starter's level. When you're playing that many, especially last year, the amount of games that he played down the stretch when they were in pursuit of the playoffs. And I remember saying at the time, the worst thing the Canucks could do to themselves is try and shoot for the postseason, overplay Demko to the point where he gets hurt and where he gets hurt late in the year. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And it's exactly what they did to Markstrom like two seasons before that. It's exactly what they did to Markstrom. And that happens to a lot of goaltenders where it's a case of, you know, playing a guy so much and so and so consistently over the course of the year it's good that you can have a goaltender that you trust in that much but at the same time for a lot of them you're going to get banged up you're going to it's going your body's going to break down a little bit more as you go like it's it's hard to play uh, to play 60 NHL games a year now more than ever because of you know how much more movement how much more um, you know, how much more just uh, flexibility that is involved in the position nowadays, right? Yeah. And yeah, when you're playing that much, it's going to take a huge toll on your body to do that. So for for me, when I look at a look at Demko, I do worry about, I do think back to especially last season and think, man, if they had just put a little bit more trust in Yaroslav Halak than they did and played him more frequently, which in turn, I think would have made him, helped him play a lot better. Uh, I, I wonder if we'd be in the same position now, would we be looking at the same goaltender? Like would Thatcher Demko be healthy right now? Would he be playing regularly at this point? It's a great question, especially when you look at, you know, a team like Colorado, I know like they're vastly different teams in terms of where they're at, but they've gone with a one, a one B over the last few seasons, rather than with like a true starter and a backup. 
Yeah, I and I think we're getting I think every year we get closer and closer to the point where teams almost kind of treat treat their goaltending tandem more like a pitcher's bullpen where it's a little bit more like, okay, you're going to start this one, then he's going to start, then you're going to start maybe not just like a dead 50 50 split or anything, especially because injuries happen. You have to be prepared for anything, but uh, I do think you're going to, you're, we're seeing more and more cases where teams are opting to be like, okay, we're going to play our starter of maybe 45, 55 games a year and give the backup the rest. So that way, when we get to the playoffs, our goalie is still relatively fresh and as fresh as possible when you get to the grind of the playoffs so we can play them every single night at that point. And that's kind of, and that's kind of where the Canucks have been for the last little while with their goaltending is they've never up until really, well, you know, up until Spencer Martin had a good stretch last year and this year, it's been a while since the Canucks have been able to really trust their backup goaltender or haven't had that much faith in their backup goaltender. So Demko's had to play a lot more games than I think was healthy for him to be playing. So, and especially behind a defense gives up a lot of shots and he has to yeah. bail you out a lot of times. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a rough system as it goes. Uh, I saw Riley bring up Cam Talbot with the Oilers and yeah, that's exactly what, what, where I bring it to all the time is just how they overplayed him that one year. And then Talbot came back completely burnt out by the time they got into the next season. Like that's what you have to avoid with your, your starters. Yeah. And you know, I think arguably that's what the Maple Leafs did with Freddie Anderson for a couple of years. Yeah. They, again, lots of teams do it. Uh, the flames have done it with Markstrom the last few years, like last year, I think if they, I don't think Dan Vladar got nearly the same number of starts he's getting this season. Yeah. Um, and I think that's partially why you could see Markstrom breaking down at the end of the, at the end of that second round. I think he got hurt late in that series. I forget, I forget if that's for sure or not, but you know, like that was the, like that, that was that, a situation where it's like, well, you overplayed him to the point where he's clearly not at a hundred percent anymore. Yeah. And now he's giving up goals that he were uncharacteristic that would have been uncharacteristic in the year. You say Soros is another good option. Like last year, the predators were right about to go to the playoffs. They had played you say Soros into the ground. He got hurt yeah. in, I think their second to last game. And sure enough, he was the only thing keeping that team afloat. So they immediately got pulverized by the avalanche. Like that's, that's what happened. That's why you really need to put a lot of trust and have complete faith in your one, a in your back, in your one B rather than just like a backup. Who's there to play the 10 games that the goaltenders tired. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's what Arthur C loves is going to be. Hopefully. If you are just joining us, Canucks win 6-2 tonight. Uh, Elias Pettersson scores a career-high 71 points, two two goals in the third period, five points on the night. Um, before we get into our third segment, I'm going to ask you, how many points do you think he ends up with at the end of the year? I believe the Canucks have 26 games left. 26 games. He's at 71 now. Okay, I'm... Honestly, like I, I, I tweeted it right before we started. I would be, I, I honestly am at the point where I'm like, he's probably going to break a hundred. Like I wouldn't, it, it would not yeah. surprise me in the slightest for the Canucks to somehow to not only for the Canucks to finish like in that bottom five, that bottom three area. And despite all of that, like have every player on the roster traded and yet Elias Pettersson still walks away having like a hundred and 
three points. Like it would, it would not, be incredible. It would be incredible, and it and yet it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest at all for him to do that because that's just how good he is. I I think it's incredible that we're that with Pedersen how much like in a way like not Vancouver understands how good he is but I don't think every I don't think the rest of the league necessarily understands how good he is because he's playing on such a crappy team like overall like man if they put him on a team with like uh with like a truly stacked roster like let's say you put let's say you took all the players from somebody like well not even like one of the best teams like we'll say just like even like a middle of the road group like Winnipeg for example if you threw them all in the Canucks it with Pedersen how how good does that team look like how 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 much of a cup contender does that team instantly look like with him on it I think even more so than they are now yeah I absolutely agree it's 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 again it's very much one of those all you all you when you with Pedersen it's all about man I real I just want to see a day where he gets to play with like a true cup contending playoff caliber Canuck team like that's what I want I'm saying Canuck specifically because I would be very sad if he got that if he ended up with that opportunity somewhere else yeah I uh, I'm so. with you I hope that happens yeah he deserves it frankly like that's that's one of the things I've talked about with like how why I why I would love to see the Canucks somehow land Connor Bedard is man how cool would it be to get Patterson playing with Connor Bedard like how much he would love that how much he would love to play with Bedard I can't like I can't even I can't set myself up to have that hope I know better as a Canucks fan I just I can't do it I am I'm manifesting it as best I can but let's say even then like how much would he like playing with Adam Fantilli or Matevi Mitchkoff or Leo Carlson like there's the like that that whole list of good players at that of that the top of the draft this year like any of them would be awesome and like I think and would be it instantly make the Canucks so much better like that's what that's what this is all about at the end of the day absolutely okay um if you're joining us Canucks win 6-2 uh Anthony Beauvillier scores two goals on the night and he now has more goals and more points with the Canucks than Bo Horvat has with the New York Islanders. Um, <laughs> we're going to move into our third segment. And on that trade talk note, I want to ask Lachlan first, like, where are we at with the Bo for Bo trade now, two weeks in? And then second, you wrote a piece about the Canucks taking calls on JT Miller. And I want to get into that. So let's start with the first Bo for Bo. I mean, I've been, I, I think I've been impressed with how well Beauvillier has fit onto that first line. Like it's a, it's a big, it's a big ask for, to bring in a guy, especially who wasn't, I don't believe was playing first line minutes for the Islanders at any point no. this year, uh, to have him come in and be like, all right, you're going to play with our best player. But at the same time, it's a case of like, again, this, and in a way we're bringing it back to Pedersen here is it's like Elias Pedersen is the type of player that he makes everyone around him better and you know the fact and in a way playing him with Bavillier was or putting Bavillier with Patterson was the best possible place to slot him in because this is a guy this is a this is a guy who's has big shoes to fill coming in for Bo Horvat even if it's not necessary it wasn't a one-for-one trade by any stretch he wasn't the only piece coming in and in fact you could argue he probably wasn't even the first the the most important part to a lot of, to most people about that trade, if even the second. 
So for him to come in and instantly look comfortable playing alongside Pedersen and having that chemistry pretty quickly out of the gate is great to see. I mean, he was all over the place tonight. Like the connection between the two already looks like it, it looks perfect. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily ready to call a winner for between the, the Bo, Bo Horvat and Anthony Bavillier yet. I'm, I, you know, again, I think Horvat is going into a situation that's a little, in a way is a little bit t- like tougher for what he's good at. Cause it's like, you know, like the Canucks are, yes, the Canucks aren't good, but at the same time, it's like, there were nothing, if not a team that could score like, and had decent offensive ability. Right. Like that was never really the issue with them this year. So whereas the Islanders are a team that have consistently played, all right, we're going to, we're going to take a one nothing lead and then lock it down for 55 minutes. Um, So with Horvat, he's in a little bit of a tougher of a of a different spot where he's not necessarily playing on a team that's as offensively charged and is playing that quick up the ice. So, but at the same time, like I, you can't, you can't, you got to look, you look at the head to head results. Like, yeah, Bovillia's got four. Bo's, uh, Bo's got three. Uh, it's looking, it's looking pretty good early on. Or I guess it's, is it five now? Because he had two this. It's gotta be five. Yeah. Yeah, it's two. All right. So yeah, yeah five. So. Uh, I- I was I was originally saying that it would be a massive win for the Islanders, not like not vis-a-vis the Canucks, but just a massive win in general if Bo Horvat could get Matt Barzal going. But with Barzal being injured tonight and not it's not clear like how many games he's going to be out for, the Canucks may actually come away looking way better on this trade, at least in the short term. Yeah, I mean, and I think yeah, I think there's I I I it definitely looks like it's going to be a situation where. The, the I think that the, where the Canucks, I mean, the Canucks made maybe like, especially like after the Ryan O'Reilly trade and everything, like maybe the return doesn't look as like as crazy as what the as what the Blues got by moving uh, O'Reilly and a chart and uh, Noella Chari. But I mean, like, yeah, you can't knock the fact that they they moved him to a team that's, you know, clearly that clearly the is under the impression that they're a lot better than they actually are. And yeah, there's a very good, there's a, there's a real possibility here that, you know, this ends up being a trade. The Islanders end up regretting, not because of Bo's play himself, like, or, or his extension or anything like that, but just because of that, what they gave up to get him. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of trades, you wrote a piece about the Canucks taking calls on JT Miller. Tell if if anyone here hasn't read it yet, tell tell us what the scoop is. So essentially, uh, on the thirty two thoughts segment, uh, in between, I think the the Toronto Montreal game before tonight, uh, Elliot Friedman kind of threw in just like a little bit of like a side, like a little bit of a like a side note on on the Canucks specifically about how the he doesn't uh, how the a couple teams have ca- been calling uh supposedly have been calling about Miller and what it would necessary and if the Canucks were willing to make a move what it would take to get him uh now and you know Fridge said on while he was talking about that like this could you know this could go totally nowhere this could be you know this could be it could turn into something it could be nothing but it is notable that teams there at least seems to be interest on Miller, even with the extension, even with 
the fact that it's been a not I wouldn't say it's it hasn't been a bad year for him offensively. It's just been a little bit of a touch and go year in the public in the public sphere in terms of like, you know, fan perception of, of what he brings to the table. Um, it's 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 definitely notable that that sort of uh, news tidbit is out there because it might mean the Canucks are about to whether or not they end up moving Miller per se it does seem more and more like they're in a situation where the Canucks might be willing to offload a lot of people. And that's, and that's kind of the most important thing is how is Bo Horvat. If you're trading Bo Horvat, that can't be the only trade you make. Like, cause that's clearly getting Anthony Bavillier and Aturatu is not going to magically turn you into a playoff team. So if you're hearing stuff like this, it does lean into the idea of like, Hey, they might actually try and they might, they might go scorched earth a little bit here and actually trade as many guys as they can for recoup as many assets as possible, which is really what you want from them right now. Yeah. I mean, if you are looking at that Leafs, Ryan O'Reilly trade, you know, it's not, not that the Canucks can do something like eat 75% of that contract. Like that's not feasible, but you look at what a player like Ryan O'Reilly, who arguably is, kind of further along the age curve in terms of decline than JT Miller is. And like you said, you know, I give JT Miller a lot of grief for his defensive play, but he has not really fallen off that much offensively. Um, I don't see how that is not an attractive player for any kind of team that is in its contention window and looking for an offensive touch that that's got to be somebody you have to seriously look at. Yeah, like especially for a team like here's the thing. Like again, we we talked about his defensive game a lot. I mean, I know I've harped on it plenty of times. Um, but you know, there's a lot of teams where they're already so well put together defensively that any sort of any sort of um ne- any sort of negative impact he might have on that front is going to be taken care of by the back. The reason why it's so noticeable here is because the Canucks don't have don't really have a defense I mean like not that the Avs are obviously not a team that can afford him and are I think not in in the hunt for him this season right but if he were on that team like you would have no issue with the defensive breakdowns because that blue line just it would it just wouldn't matter right yeah I would like a a team that might be more have the cap space but I don't think they would ever make this trade is like you know like Winnipeg for example is a team that always has a really good defense has stacked goaltending with Connor Hellebuck but are always maybe a little bit shorter up front right those are the kinds of teams that are going to look at it be like yeah we have the guys who can eat any sort of eat up any sort of negative a defensive impact from him in and replace and he'll make up for that with his scoring here like it's just he'll be play, he'd be playing in a role that's much less you know that's like it would still be a big role but it wouldn't necessarily be as closely watched upon as it would be here in Vancouver where he has to be where he, in a way he has to succeed every single night otherwise they're in a bad spot yeah. so yeah like I don't yeah I think obviously it's if it not for that extension, it would be a lot easier to make that kind of a move. But at the same time, if you're a team that knows clearly that what you're going for here and where you're and that has a legitimate shot at the at the at a cup, yeah, why not take a why not take a swing at it if you have the room for it? Like, you know, we've seen teams like Vegas do crazy things from time to time for 
like a Jack Eichel or something like, Hey, maybe somebody out there is ready to make that, that to pull the trigger on something that crazy. Yeah. So if, if you were going to bet on it, do you think he gets moved? If I were to bet on it, I would say, I would say no, because of just everything that had like the contract and everything else. I do think I would say no in that front. But again, it's one of those, if you can do it, uh, if you can make that trade, even if it's not necessarily like a, a home run deal, which I don't think it would be considering the extension and everything. I think it would be a very much a, you know, it'd be a very middle, it'd probably be a bit of a middling return. Wouldn't that still make you make you look at the team and be like, well, now we're in a much better position in terms of our cap, in terms of the assets we've recouped, in terms of you know, finishing lower and having building a younger team, rebuilding towards a younger, faster team. Like I, I can't think of a reason why that wouldn't make the team better right out of the gate, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not saving my breath for it. You know, I'm, I, it, it'd be nice to see, but I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to say it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much exactly where I landed. All right. Um, Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Lachlan. Uh, if you're with us, go follow him at Lock in the Crease. Go read all of his pieces on Canucks Army. Lock is writing a lot of great stuff lately. Uh, follow at SDPN Sports. Um, I'm Sam. I'm your host tonight. The Canucks win 6-2 over the Flyers. Elias Pettersson has a career-high 71 points after another five-point game tonight. Uh, Kaya will be here on Tuesday uh, after the Canucks take on the Nashville Predators and see if they can uh, get a little win streak going. Um, that's all guys. Have a great Saturday night.